This is reporter Jillian Farmer, and today on New Project Media's Interconnections podcast, we have Scott Steimer. Scott is a principal at ECP focused primarily on originating and executing investments within the power generation and renewable sector in North America. He currently serves on the board of New Leaf Energy, Pivot Energy, and Heartland Generation. Previously, he served on the board of Sonova Energy Corp. He is here to speak with us about ECP's renewable platforms, the push for community solar programs out west, and ECP's growth in existing and new markets. Thanks for joining us, Scott. Thank you very much for having me. So just to jump right into it, can you tell me uh, about ECP? Yeah, sure. So we are uh, infrastructure investors focused on investing in energy transition related uh, assets and businesses. Uh, We manage around uh, $27 billion of capital commitments. Um, And historically, the majority of that has been focused on power generation and renewables. So we've been one of the largest uh, private owners of of, of those asset classes in the U.S. Um, And we've also invested heavily in environmental infrastructure. So uh, waste energy businesses, recycling businesses, businesses involved in handling or or beneficially reusing waste streams. Um, And then more recently, we've been uh, made a few few investments within uh, renewable fuels and carbon capture. So uh, more more broadly investing in businesses that are supporting uh, kind of the broader themes of decarbonization, electrification and and reliability across these markets. Excellent. And what kind of renewable platforms is ECP involved with right now? And what are some of the most invested in distributed generation? Yeah, sure. So um, within renewables, we've kind of invested across the spectrum of the kind of customer residential side, all the way up to larger utility scale um, uh, projects and developers. Um, on On the residential side, we were a significant investor in Sonova, uh, which is one of the leading residential solar and storage providers in the country. Um, on the utility scale side, we, we've made a few investments over the years uh, in in, uh, in utility scale development businesses. Uh, most recently, we invested in Terragen, uh, which is one of the largest um, utility scale wind, solar, storage, and geothermal developers in the country. Um, they're actually currently developing one of the largest uh, hybrid or paired solar and storage facilities uh, in the country out in California currently. Um, and then most recently, we've we've spent a lot of time within distributed solar and storage uh, with kind of a heavy emphasis on, on community solar. So about six or seven months or so ago, we acquired uh, New Leaf Energy, uh, which was formerly the development arm of, of Borrego Solar uh, and is one of, one of the largest or the largest community solar uh, developers in the country. Uh, prior to that, in, in 2021, we acquired Pivot Energy, uh, which is also a leading uh, community solar and CNI solar uh, focused, focused developer. Um, and then part of that, we acquired uh, and have made investments in convergent energy and power, uh, which is a leading battery uh, storage development platform, uh, but has been increasingly developing uh, hybrid solar and storage projects, some of which have been uh, have been within community solar markets. So um, it's very much a vertical and a sector we like. I think we think the, the addressable market there um, is very large. I think by some estimates in some parts of the country, 50% or more of the consumers of energy don't otherwise have access to uh, the benefits of of you know low cost uh, local clean energy, um, and just the value proposition I think for for both those customers as well as us as as a as an asset owner investor is is very attractive. The customers, in addition to getting the benefits of clean energy, um, they're typically saving ten or twenty percent or so on their utility bills. Uh, and then on you know again on our side as an investor, I think the the return potential or the risk risk uh, adjusted return potential to to developing these assets is just a significant. Uh, premium to what we see uh, available elsewhere in the space. So, uh, so a space or a sector we're we're investing uh, heavily behind. 
Uh, and on the topic of community solar, from your standpoint, what are your thoughts on the push uh, for programs out west? Uh, let's start with New Mexico. Yeah, sure. So we've uh, been encouraged in general with 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 uh, you know programs like this. I think really the only thing not to maybe love about community solar is just that development uh, and activity today is is relatively concentrated in a in a smaller number of states. And so I think for the for the sector to continue to to grow and attract development capital, I think you know to state the obvious, growing in a more and more markets will uh, will be critical. Um, but New Mexico is one we're we're very excited about. Have been have been tracking for some time. Um, you know, I think we're, we're anxiously awaiting now the results of this first RFP, which I think are due in the next uh, few months or so. Um, I think we, we like the mark and the construct. I think really the question is, um, is kind of what, what happens next from here. Um, you know, the program, the, the initial program, I think is something like 200 megawatts, uh, which is sizable. Um, but I think ideally we'd like to, we'd like to see it, you know, turn into a place where there's a hundred plus megawatts a year happening on a, on a recurring basis. And so, um, certainly, getting through this first RFP is uh, have to do that first, but but hopefully thereafter we get some more uh, more clarity on what what uh, future years will, will look like. And Arizona is also working on uh, trying to establish a program. Uh, what are your thoughts on um, Arizona? Do you think it'll be as um, exciting over there? Yeah, I think it's. Um, that one seems harder to call right now. I think um, you know we followed the proposals that have 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 made progress over the past twelve months or so. Um, I think the initial program that's being contemplated is um, you know a bit smaller than New Mexico, but still sizable, one hundred and forty or fifty megawatts or so. Um, I think you know to us, I think that the, the timing and kind of the, the path forward and the next steps towards you know awarding and, and ultimately developing those projects um, seems a little a little less clear at this point. So um, you know I think it, it it feels like it could be a you know, it could be a good market, but, um, you know, just, just need a little more clarity on when it'll uh, get across the finish line. And a lot of people are excited about the California legislation for community solar program. Do you see it uh, becoming as big as New York's? Yeah, uh, good question. We we hope, but uh, I, I think it'll probably take some time to, to catch New York, but, um, you know, we're definitely very excited about it and think over the next five or 10 years, it, it can be a top five or even a top two or three, uh, maybe market for for community solar. Um, you know, it is a it is an uncapped market or uncapped program. So I think by its nature, it, it can be very large. Um, and you know, California has of course been a leader in pretty much every other facet of clean energy policy. So uh, I think it's probably safe to assume that that'll that'll apply here as well. Um, you know, I think what we what we also like to see, um, and obviously we hope to see these these rules get finalized quickly here. But but what we've been um, pleased to see is that it feels like the program is being designed in a way um, that tries to kind of pick up where more successful programs have have left off. Um, so things like um, things like the bill credit rate, so um, how that's established um, in, in trying to um, you know limit or mitigate the effects of you know cost you know cost um, shifting across um, ratepayer groups, um, issues like that that have kind of plagued or, or stymied growth in some of these programs in the past. Um, that's being, it seems like that's being designed in a way to, to make it more durable and, and, and limit those, um, those issues from, from, from popping up in the future. Um, and then of course, just, you know, a, a heavy reliance or requirement for, uh, battery storage, pairing battery storage with, with these projects, and then also a focus on, uh, on, on, on lower income, uh, customers, uh, including them in these programs too. I think all those three things are kind of key issues that it feels like other programs, um, you know, eventually have to evolve and adapt to accommodate, whereas it feels like California is trying to design their program to address those things right from the start, So, uh, which is great to see. So that's a market we're, we're extremely excited about. Excellent. And 
Uh, where is ECP's uh, growth right now in its existing renewable platforms? And what do clean energy technologies uh, interest the firm? Yeah, so we, um, we're we still very excited about distributed uh, the distributed generation, the distributed solar market. Um, like I mentioned before, I think we see the market is still, um, the addressable market is very large and underpenetrated today. Um, and again, just the, the the value proposition, both for, for customers as well as uh, asset owners is, is very strong. Um, I think, you know, one thing that's not, maybe not fully appreciated, at least on our side of, of, of the, of the business is, um, is, is the exposure to directly or indirectly to retail utility rates versus kind of wholesale rates. And so I think as those rates have continued to go up, um, across the country, the, the attractiveness of, of, of these programs for, for both customers, as well as, uh, you know, investors or developers, um, that's really only gotten better. So, uh, so that's still a, a market we very much um, uh, are, are focused on. Um, we're also spending a lot of time, continue to spend a lot of time within battery storage. Um, I think the last 12, 18 months or so have been challenging operationally um, uh, due to supply chain um, you know, issues. But I think when you take a step back, the broader trend, and I think where it's heading is, is still you know, where there's a very large number of, of use cases, business use cases and applications for storage, uh, both on the behind the meter customer side of things, as well as, you know, front of the meter, you know, selling in the wholesale markets. Um, and so, you know, for us, I think, and this is all, and that's certainly, you know, enhanced and accelerated by uh, the standalone uh, tax credit or ITC for battery storage that was included in the, in the Inflation Reduction Act, which we think is really, is really a game changer for that space. So um, storage we like, we also think, um, you know, battery storage by its nature, I think is a little bit more, um, arguably more of an active um, asset class in the sense that, um, these assets don't don't really create value for customers or investors unless they're operated and and dispatched at the right times and in the right way. Um, and so I think you know we feel like having investment success in that sector requires a deep understanding of these markets, um, including wholesale markets, re you know retail rate constructs, um, as well as policy at the state and federal level. And that's something um, we spend you know a lot of our time on and have been doing for a long time. So we feel like we can be a, we can be a good partner for. For businesses in uh, in the storage space, um, and then lastly, we've made we made a few investments in, in seeing seeing a lot of opportunities within uh, renewable fuels and and carbon capture and, and sequestration. Um, I think at both the state and federal level, um, we're seeing more stringent requirements aimed at um, reducing the carbon intensity of the transportation sector and specifically transportation fuels. Um, and we view those those technologies and businesses as as really critical to achieving those kind of rapid. Uh, levels of of decarbonization, um, and that's all. That's all also, you know, enhanced by um, some of the provisions included in the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, most notably, the the increase of the expansion of the the forty five Q tax credit from fifty dollars to eighty five dollars a ton. Um, that really just enhances the economics of these projects, and I think will will uh, do a lot to encourage uh, investment going forward. Excellent, and. Uh, on on this topic, uh, so will ECP be expanding uh, the types of projects that it finances? Um, it kind of sounds like the biogas, maybe green hydrogen. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I th I think so. I think we generally steer away from investments that require more of a more of a bet on a newer technology working. Um, but I don't think that's really the case across most of the opportunities we're seeing. I think it's more that. Um, both from kind of a, a demand, a customer and societal demand perspective, as well as just the economics of these projects. Again, both both for the customer um, as well as for the investors. I think that's that that um, dynamic has improved to such an extent that there's really just more and more opportunities within all these 
um, within all these sectors. So when you look at, I think battery storage is a good example. It's um, today, it's a it's a large market and growing rapidly. But you know, five years or even three years ago, there was significantly less, if any, if any development going on, uh, or at least projects, you know, reaching reaching uh, reaching completion. And so um, I think it's really that that dynamic has 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 moved you know so significantly that the the investment uh, opportunity set is has just opened up a lot. Thank you. And from ECP's perspective, how is it applying what it knows to other markets? Uh, and what markets is ECP potentially considering? Yeah, um, good question. So we, um, you know, our, our existing strategies and, and, and mandates are largely focused on investing in North America and, and Europe. We've made a few investments in, in the UK um, over the years. Um, so that's that's very much our focus now and, and is a you know very large opportunity set in and of itself. But you know, when you take a step back, I think a lot of the trends and themes that we're seeing and, and the ones we talked about today um, apply globally um, at, at least as much. I think, you know, the demand for, um, uh, you know, low cost renewables as well as increased or increasing grid reliability. Um, I think that's that's at least as important elsewhere as it is in the U.S. Um, and I also think, you know, the U.S. is is perhaps somewhat unique in that there is um, there is just an abundant supply of, of relatively cheap natural gas, which is still a heavy, a heavy component of, of the of the generation supply stack today. And so, um, you know, as much development as, as, we're, as we're seeing in the U.S., um, those pro- on the renewable side, those projects are, are competing against, um, you know, a relatively low cost option. Whereas when you look at parts of Europe or, or, or Asia or Japan, for example, that are, um, you know, relying heavily on imported natural gas or liquefied natural gas, um, those prices are much higher. And so the ability, I think, to deploy renewables, even if it's solar solar and storage, you know, is a, is a paired resource, I think to do that, you know, economically or cost competitively is, is, uh, is, is very attractive and maybe even more so attractive than what we see in the U.S. So, um, so definitely looking at, uh, you know, other markets and ways to uh, apply what we know. Thank you. And Scott, those were my questions. So thanks again for joining us. And to our listeners, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you very much for having me.